Hey everyone, thanks for listening and welcome to Views from the Sidelines. I'm TK. And I'm Damian, and on this show we view sports in a slightly different way. We're going to cover everything from the four-point play to the cover three, the perfect two-punch combo, and of course the hole-in-one. We're going to have a blast while doing it, and of course, have a few drinks. What's the views of the show today, TK? Yeah, man, we got we got a crazy lineup for you. You know, right off the right off the tip, off the tap, we're going to talk about Steph, UFC, Broner, Broner versus Garcia, and then what the fuck was their view? We got a lot of different things we're going to talk about there. Steph and Kyrie, Michael Jordan's going to show up in the Cubbies. Got to got to put Bartman into the conversation, and then game view as always. Views of the weekend. Talk a little golf and boxing, and then as always. As we do right here on Views from the Sidelines, we're going to have our lasting view, and it should be a good one, so you might want to stick around and definitely check that out. Hey, Damien, what you drinking? What's your view on tap, baby? All right, today I'm keeping it light. A lot of people like to laugh at me for drinking this, but I enjoy it, all right? (laughs) I'm drinking me a Mike's Hard Strawberry Lemonade. Got me a few up here in front of me by the mic, so I'm going to have a few while during the show. Mike's Hard Lemonade, man, you you like to taste something good while getting a little buzz on. Mike's Hard Lemonade is the way to go. Strawberry Lemonade is my favorite. I also like Black Cherry as well. The Peach one's pretty good. They got got plenty of different flavors of Mike's Hard Lemonade. So if you really want to have a good time while you're drinking and actually enjoy the taste, Mike's Hard Lemonade is the way to go. What you drinking, TK? I'm drinking uh, something from Boulevard Brewing Company. They're out of Kansas City, Missouri, and it's their Kolsch beer and if you're familiar with Kolsch it's it's kind of it's a German style pilsner so it's a little bit on the lighter side you know it's a a lighter body it kind of has like a a golden look to it and it's a little bit on the hoppy side it's not it's not crazy hoppy but it definitely has a little bit of a hop flavor you know I'm you know I'm more of a traditional Kolsch Kolsch style drinker I don't do uh, you know a lot of the the crazy different ones but boulevard boulevard they did a really great job with this one and and they have a little bit of a lemon flavor to it and it's a little bit on the lighter side it's a good summer summer beer if you're sitting out by the pool or or you know doing a rafting trip down the river this is definitely one you want to check out it's light it's about four and a half percent alcohol i think so, so if, if you're a fan of Kolsch-style beers and, you know, you want something with a little bit more flavor, this is definitely the way to go. So make sure you check it out. I'm going to take a sip, and then let's get into the first first topic right here off the tap, baby. You want to, What do you want to talk about, Damien? You want to talk about Steph playing golf? You want to talk about UFC? You want to talk about Broner versus Garcia? You, you start it off, baby. <laughs> well, I want to get your take on Steph playing golf. Right, because yeah. I was away for a little bit, so I didn't know what was going on with Steph playing golf. I know that you're the golf guy. Yeah, and love my golf. I hear that. I hear that Steph's a good player. So, what was going on with Steph playing golf? You know, there was a lot of back and forth, and and people were kind of curious how he was going to do this week. And honestly, I'll be 100 percent honest. He shot a 74, which is four over on Thursday, which was yesterday, and. Honestly, that's pretty respectable. I mean, to go out with yeah, it's the web.com tour, it's not the PGA tour, but that's that's where you kind of have to start if if you want to try to get to the tour. 
and you have to get in the top 25 throughout the year. And, you know, for him to go out and shoot a 74 and play basketball, what, nine, ten months out of the year and then, you know, pick up a club for for two or three months and and try to go out there and swing with the big boys. To shoot a 74 is pretty impressive. I mean, there was a guy in his group. No, 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 no. I take that back. I need a mulligan. Rewind that shit. That's that's from my other show. But it's relevant right now. There there was a guy that shot – I think he he won the web.com tournament last year by eight or last week by eight strokes. So let me slow down here. The guy that won the web.com tournament last week won by eight strokes. Stephen Curry shot a better score than he did yesterday on the web.com tour tournament. I mean, so for him to go in there and do something like that and play basketball all year round, to me, I, I think it's pretty impressive. Now, you know, he went out and I think he shot a five or six over today, so he's not going to make the cut. But to me, that's impressive. I know a lot of other athletes have tried to do it. Jerry Rice tried to do it. Uh, John Smoltz tried to do it. And I think both of those guys shot, you know, in the mid-80s. So... For Steph to shoot in the 70s two days in the row, you know, after playing a full season of basketball and not picking up a club every single day for the last year, I think is pretty impressive. And and you know, hats off to him. And he made it entertaining. He went out there and 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 put on a show, so to speak. So it was it was fun to watch. Some people were kind of skeptical about it, but I I, I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, I definitely think it's cool when athletes have multi you know are multi talented. So for him to go out there and shoot a score like that, that's, you know, he's close to going, you know, in a negative, which is, you know, good in golf, of course. That's great for him, man. He's also, you know, somebody, I know Tony Romo was somebody who was a scratch golfer for a while. Yeah. Who we thought, who's, you know, tried to qualify for the U.S. Open. That was actually pretty close, I thought. So for Steph Curry to do that, that's crazy. You know, maybe he could be a golfer after basketball. That would be crazy if, you know, he finishes basketball at 36, 37 years old. He's like, hey, you know what? Let me try golf out. And he's actually yeah. pretty good at it. That would be dope. So I'm definitely excited for him on that note. But let's talk about a little fighting. All right, let's do it. <laughs> so UFC 214 was this past weekend. It was a huge card, awesome event. What are your thoughts on the overall card of UFC 214? I thought, I mean, I thought it was a heck of a card. I mean, one of those that, you know, when you sit down and look at it from front to back, there was a ton of great fights a ton of entertainment maybe one 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 match in there or one fight in there that that you could probably say wasn't all that entertaining but from front to back I thought it was an absolutely stacked card it was a lot of fun and you know definitely definitely great entertainment yeah I feel the exact same way like I watched most of it excellent car especially for somebody like me who's I'm a UFC fan but I'm not as um knowledgeable as you are about the sport so it's wonderful for guys like me to get us more into it so now i'm looking forward to the next ufc event when nunez and shevchenko finally have their fight i'm looking forward to that one so it definitely will bring in fans like myself when you have great cars like this so what fight did you think or what fight let me rephrase that what fight stood out the most to you you know the one the one that i liked the most probably was lawler versus cerrone i mean those guys you know they just went at it and 
you know, Cerrone for him, he usually fights at 155, or that's that's what he fought, you know, early in his career. And now that he's gone up to 170, you know, he he has a little bit more cardio. I, I think he doesn't have to cut as much weight, so he feels comfortable at 170. But he's a small 170, and Lawler's a big 170. So for him, you know, I I thought it would be a struggle for Cerrone and usually he does struggle with the bigger guys and Lawler came out just guns ablaze and I thought oh no this is going to be done early but Cerrone just stood right in there stood in the pocket and they went toe to toe and I knew I knew that fight was going to be exciting and crazy and off the chain and the funny thing about it was is that I didn't know who won when it was over I literally was sitting there man it could have gone it could have gone either way and for Lawler to kind of step in there and say, heck, I thought I ran one round one. I thought Cerrone ran one round two and round three could have went either way. And I'm, I'm just kind of happy that I'm standing here the victor. You know what I mean? So that, and that's the cool thing about the UFC and the way that they respect each other when it's all said and done. They may talk some shit leading up to it, but when it's all said and done, they do really respect each other. And I thought that was a great, a great fight. And then, of course, you know, the Cormier versus Jones fight was, was off the hook. I mean, that one was, I mean, what a fight. Seriously, I mean, what a fight. It, it lived up to all the expectations. You, you kind of wondered, you know, what what was going to be up with Jones. Was he going to have some ring rust? You know, was he going to be composed in there? And he, and he was. You know, he, he never got flustered, even though Cormier looked really good and, you know, he was able to kind of push the pace and he was able to kind of control that distance and, and get in there on on Jones and land some good punches. Jones didn't really get flustered and he kind of stayed back and he ended up picking his shots and 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 he did a really good job of kind of kicking that front knee and and, and kicking to the body, knees to the body, and kind of kept Cormier at his distance and Honestly, those knees and the kicks to the body and, the, and and to Cormier's knees were pretty much the deciding factor uh, of why that match or, or fight ended up finishing the way that it did. Because, you know, the way that it ended up, I think Jones went for the, for the kick to his head and as he kind of brought his leg up you could see Cormier kind of put his hands down like he was trying to defend his knee or his body thinking that's where he was going to go and then he went high and kicked him in the head and that's you know lights out (laughs) (laughs) I mean you know you get a kick to the head think about it's like a baseball bat just going straight to the dome and you know that's going to be that's going to be lights out so I mean that fight pretty much lived up to it I was actually pretty surprised that Jones didn't have any ring rust and I was surprised that Cormier was able to kind of get into the pocket and close that distance early I mean what were your thoughts on the fight I was surprised that Cormier didn't try to wrestle more because we know that Cormier that's his strength he's an Olympic wrestler I understand that Jones is a great wrestler as well but you would think that Cormier would try to get him to the ground and try to put him in his world now even though Cormier has improved drastically as a striker and we saw that in the fight he was able to hit Jones just like you said with plenty of big shots he even knocked his mouthpiece out at one point yeah he did. so that we saw great. him hit with yeah we saw him hit with plenty of big shots uppercuts good rights and lefts but for me it's like why not try to take him to the ground at least once and see 
you know what you can do down there maybe you get a submission maybe you just can yeah control around why did you think that Cormier was so you know just stuck on standing up with somebody who's known as a great stand-up fighter yeah and that's in in uh, you know excuse me for a second yeah open another beer, you know what i mean uh but hey the the thing about that situation i kind of understand why cormier did it because when you think about wrestling and you think about takedowns it takes a lot of energy to perform that takedown the way that it should be performed and get the guy into a certain situation in order to get him to the ground i mean it's it's very it's very very technical and it takes a lot of energy. And for Cormier being kind of the shorter guy and Jones being so athletic that this is what happened the first match, their first fight, when Cormier tried to take him down at times, he did a great job of sprawling. And when he did a great job of sprawling and then they kind of got into that you know the I forget I forget exactly what they call it. I'm I'm losing it here. They they scramble. So he spra- he he tries to shoot to take him down. Jones sprawls. Then they scramble to either get it to the ground or get back on their feet. And it takes up a lot of energy. And you saw the first fight. I think Cormier did that quite a bit. And then in the championship rounds, when it got late into the fight, Cormier started to deteriorate in terms of his cardio. And I think coming into this fight, Cormier probably thought, okay, he's going to have some ring rust. He's going to not be able to find his range. I'm going to be able to find my range early, and I'm just going to be able to box with him. I'm going to be able to do you know, Muay Thai and, and kickboxing and keep it on the feet, and I can find my range and my rhythm early and often, and I'm just going to stick with that because it's not going to take my cardio like the wrestling would. And and I think that's why he went that route, and the fact that he was so successful at it pretty much until, until he got knocked out, he was successful at it. I think that's why he stuck to it. No, you make some good points because – he definitely was successful at striking. He was able to close that distance. And with him being able to close that distance, do you think that was maybe ring rust on Jones's part? Or just Cormier being such a great fighter that he was able to close that distance and make it a little uncomfortable for Jones? You know, I think I definitely think in his training camp, they worked on that. I mean, it's one of those things where he probably had a lot of longer guys and you know, kind of lengthy guys in in training camp where he kind of learned how to get through, you know, that that length. And, and I really feel like they they had they had to do that in, in training camp and have him kind of understand how he could kind of get in there and, and do those things. Because you know, if, if you don't, that's the one thing about it though. If you if you don't practice it, you're not going to be able to perfect it, and you're not going to be able to do it in the ring. And it, it definitely looked like. That was something that they worked on day in and day out throughout training camp to make sure that he could get he could get through that that multiple layers because Jones is so good not just with his hands but with his elbows and his knees and you know there's like almost two lines of of offense there you got to watch out for the hands but then he's so long and lengthy that you know his elbows are almost like another another arm's length for for Cormier so because he's so tall and and lanky so. He definitely had to have, 
you know, had some practice during training camp in order to in order to get inside of that. And I don't know if it was necessarily ring rust as much of if as it was just straight preparation. And then, you know, and then the other the other aspect of that too, that's the main reason why I love MMA and and UFC in general is the fact that you can win in multiple different ways. There's so many different ways to win in in the UFC and mixed martial arts that I mean, you have to be prepared. You have to you have to think outside the box. You got to figure out exactly what's going to be the right way to do things. And Cormier up until the fact that he got knocked out, I I felt like his game plan was spot on. So would you I mean, would you you thinking the same thing? Yeah, definitely, definitely thinking the same thing about that because the game plan Cormier came in with came in with was to attack. He said it. He said, "I'm gonna punch you in the mouth when I come out there." So, <laughs> and he so, definitely did. It was yeah. it was a good fight. Yeah, it was a great fight. And like I said, that strategy that he had coming in, you could tell that he worked on it and they they trained on it. It was a great strategy. Jones did a great job of adjusting to it and being able to take his punches and also counter them as well. Like you said, counter them with his punches and elbows, great kicks. And the way he set up that, that knockout kick was wonderful because oh. he, like you said, all the kicks to the legs and to the body added up. And now yep. Cormier was like, okay, I got to protect my body because it's starting to hurt. Like earlier on, he maybe <laughs> might just took that. He might just took that body shot earlier on and protected the head. Yep. But then later on, it's like, okay, now I got to start protecting my body because this doesn't feel too good. Next yeah, thing you know, he's hurts. out. <laughs> night night definitely hey, I, definitely I, I did want to talk to you about the the woodley the woodley maya fight i mean being somebody that you know you're a boxing guy you're, you're starting to get into the ufc the mma the woodley maya fight did you did you find that entertaining i mean a lot of people are you know up in arms and and saying that this fight wasn't entertaining and and Honestly, I'm I'm probably one of them. But I mean, what did, what did you think of that fight? Did you get to did you get to watch it? Yes, I did. With Woodley, um, it's been I've seen Woodley a few times, and Woodley is somebody who can frustrate you because he has such explosive athletic ability, and you're like, okay, why not just show that all the time and be this explosive, aggressive fighter? But yes. he's more cautious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he's he's a he's a very cautious fighter as well and then he'll explode at certain points and with him being so cautious it can make a fight boring it's kind of like i guess the mayweather thing you have to appreciate his technique to appreciate uh, it yeah and good, good analogy good analogy and with woodley it's just crazy especially looking at him though like because it's not like with floyd mayweather you don't see this intimidating presence you don't expect him to knock out people. With Woodley, he just looks like somebody. You see him walking down the street, you would be like, "Oh, I'm not gonna mess with that dude." Like he looks like, way. yeah, exactly. He looks like somebody who would just knock motherfuckers out. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you're, and he does do that. He does knock people out, but it just the style in which he does it is very patient, and and it's uh that is a plus for him, but it can't be a minus for fans. I found the fight entertaining in parts but i could see why people thought it was boring because like i say he's very cautious and maya is not a strike artist so he was trying to get the fight to the ground he wasn't able to really take willie down at all willie did a great job of his takedown defense because it looked like maya was lost out there as far as trying to take down willie and without 
Maya been able to take him down. Maya didn't his strike game. I've seen Damian Maya before, and it feel like his strike game hasn't improved much. Am I wrong about that? Oh no, you're spot on. I mean, literally spot on. I mean, the guy he relies 100 percent on his jujitsu, getting guys to the ground. I mean, if you and that is one thing about this fight, and and I think people have to understand if you're a casual fan and you're not quite sure about UFC and MMA, if Damian Maya gets you to the ground. You can be on the same level as him, the black belt jujitsu. Do you're done? I mean, he's he could go and wrestle with guys in jujitsu that are you know world champions and hang and probably beat most of them. So you definitely don't want to get on the ground with him because he's a straight out legend when it comes to submissions. So I understand Woodley's defense or his strategy going into this fight but he's so damn athletic i mean he 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 fought off i think 24 or 27 takedowns in the fight wow and to be able to do that alone is pretty damn impressive but i mean the strategy is pretty simple when you go against a jujitsu guy that can't box or out punch you or out muay thai you or kickbox you just just don't kick i mean you're athletic enough to get punches in and sprawl and get away from from those attempts of a takedown that you can you can win the fight by knocking a guy out and and he had him on the ropes a couple different times and i was actually kind of surprised that he didn't kind of go in for the kill so to speak and it was definitely definitely an interesting fight at times. And I understand his hesitancy, but you have to understand that people are paying to watch you fight, right? I mean, and you can't just stand there. I think combined, I saw some crazy stat. I think people have been talking about it, and, and quote me if I'm wrong out there, people. But I think there was like 60 total punches thrown in five rounds and and i think the previous low record was like 130 in five rounds so i mean just just think about that math for a second the record of the fewest punches thrown was 130 and these two guys threw 60 and you wonder why woodley got booed when he was walking out of the ring i mean you know the octagon i mean that's just you know, it's just not entertaining. And it's something that you have to think about. As a fighter, I'm sorry, like these people are paying to watch you fight. So you have to make it entertaining in some way, shape, or form. I understand the strategy. I understand that. But for him being as athletic as he is and being such a great boxer that he is compared to Damian Maya, that you have to throw more punches. To yeah. be entertaining. You just and you're so athletic that even if he tries to take you down when you're throwing those punches, you're athletic enough to sprawl and make sure that he doesn't do it. And and he proved that with 27 takedowns. So I understand why everybody's upset. I understand why Dana White took the GSP fight away from him. I get it. It's unfortunate, and I think Woodley has to understand the difference, and and he has to try to improve or, or change in that aspect some way shape or form yeah i'm right there with you because 
when you have a fighter, if your natural fighting way is defensive, you have to find another way to be entertaining. So if Floyd Mayweather is coming with the trash talk and the showing off of his money and things like that. And also with Floyd Mayweather, if you're a boxing fan, you understand his defensive brilliance because he counters so much. But in boxing, it's different because you have to punch. So yeah. you're not going to have 60, you know, 60 punches in the fight. You know, that's well, pretty much a round in boxing. So that's well, why it's he- a little different. Yeah, and then the other thing with with Floyd too, though, that I find entertaining is if you know it's kind of fast, and maybe if you're not paying 100 percent attention, you can't really see it. But when he ducks in and out of punches, I mean that's that shit's entertaining. That's kind of cool to watch him. Like you know he he's weaving back and forth, and these guys are throwing three or four punches, and they can't even touch him. Like that's even though he's not throwing a punch, that's entertaining. Like these it guys is. didn't even throw a punch; they just stood there and looked at each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we can't all put it on Willie either. Like Damian Maya has been in UFC long enough, has been in MMA long enough, excuse me, oh. to improve on his other areas. Like I understand he's a world champion jiu-jitsu guy, but you have to improve other areas. Just like Good point. Ronda Rousey. Like Ronda Good Rousey point. is somebody who's also jiu-jitsu as well and world champion. But when it came to other areas, we saw you can't box; you'll get whooped on. <laughs> so we can't, so you have to have that stand-up game. So we can't just hold Willie responsible. If Damian Maya hey. came in there working on his stand-up game, because you could tell his method right away was, I got to take him down. And Willie saw it a mile away. Like, Willie's camp saw the strategy a mile away. Okay, all we got to do is stand up, and we're going to win this fight. Yep. So we had, it has to, blame has to go both ways. We can't all put it on Willie. I understand just because it's just Good the point. way Willie, Willie looks. Like, just because he looks like that, <laughs> it's like, come on, bro. We know what you can do. And we've seen yeah. it. Like, we've seen him explode. Like, in his highlight reels, you see him explode oh. and just knock people out. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, so, we know what he can do. Yeah, exactly. Lawler. Yeah, he, he came out and just and, and shook him to the ground quick. And mm-hmm. and that's the thing. You bring up a really great point. I don't think a lot of people are talking about that is, is – you know, the blame goes both ways. I think we're looking at it a little bit tougher on the Woodley side because he's not going to get his GSP fight, and, and he's a little upset about that, and, and maybe that's why we're talking about that aspect of it too. But, yeah, definitely definitely when it comes to fights, it definitely has to go both ways for sure. For sure. And speaking of fights being exciting because of both ways, let's go into a little boxing. All right. We had, we had boxing on Saturday as well, Adrian Broner versus Mikey Garcia. Now, Adrian Broner was going to the fight with only two losses on his record to two very good fighters. And Mike Garcia is undefeated going in. And Adrian Broner was the bigger star going in because he has a bigger personality. Unfortunately, he's been known for incidents outside the ring. But he's one of those guys who's very boisterous, talks a lot of trash. Somebody who's cool with Floyd Mayweather. He's just got all the things aligned to make him a star. Mike Garcia is just about his business. He goes out there, he boxes, he knocks people out, and he goes home. So going into this fight, it was a, a big test for both fighters. Like this was one of those crossroads type matchups where either fighter could put themselves up with elite status or go back down to being maybe a B plus, B minus type fighter. And Mike Garcia dominated Adrian Broner. Dominated from pretty much start to finish. And I was just so disappointed because Adrian Broner talked a, a good game going into this fight. He didn't talk a lot of trash about Mikey, but he talked a good game about him being focused. And him being on his game for this fight. And that he's 28 in his prime ready to go. And then he goes out there and just lays an egg. And for him to go out there and do that. I was just so disappointed in it. 
because Mike Garcia came ready and Mike Garcia, the first few rounds just filling him out and he's just hitting him. Boom, boom, boom. And Adrian Broner's not Adrian Broner's a natural counter puncher, but Mike Garcia wasn't really given the opportunities to counter. So at a certain point you gotta realize, okay, I can't counter like I normally do. I have to be the aggressor. But he didn't become aggressive until like the ninth, tenth round. It's too late at that point. And I wonder is does he have too many yes people in his corner? Too many people saying, Adrian, you're great. Adrian, you're doing this. Adrian, go rap. Go go on tour. Don't focus on boxing. Do do everything you want to do because now he he looks like a case of lost potential. Or is it a case of fans expecting too much of him? Because at 28 years old, he's already got three losses. Even though he has, he has a Hall of Fame resume because he's the youngest to ever have three different championships and three different weight classes. And that's one of the reasons we expected so much from him, especially at this age in his prime. But now we don't know what the next test is for Adrian Broner. But Mike Garcia, man, he looked great. He dominated, like I said, from start to finish, just showed power. He wasn't able to put Broner down, but Broner's a bigger guy, so you, you expect him to have trouble with that. But he definitely just showed a great boxing acumen. He was in the ring just controlling every movement of it, not letting Broner get to him. Broner's in the ring, you know, shaking his head, talking trash, and he's just, like, going out there doing his business, tagging him as he's talking trash. And Mike Garcia is somebody who now is going to be, he's pretty much used Adrian Broner's name to get ahead. He's like, okay, Adrian Broner's a big name, somebody who's going to get me ahead as far as what I'm doing. And Mike Garcia is moving on, and hopefully he's going to fight Vasil Lomachenko pretty soon, who we'll talk about a little later. But I just want to get my little boxing spill off. Yeah. <laughs> but now yeah. it's, it's Sounds time. Sounds like all, all bark, no bite there, baby. <laughs> yeah. Now, with Broner, with Broner, is definitely right. It sounds like a lot of bark, no bite. Somebody, he came in, he was in shape, because usually that's been a problem with him is making weight. That's been one of his issues. And for this fight, he came in two pounds under. We're like, oh, okay. We're like, this guy's ready to go, this fight. Looks in shape, ready to go. And then he comes out there and lays his egg. Like I said, very disappointed. Somebody who's showed talent. He's one of those guys, kind of like a um, a Whitley. He's shown that explosiveness Uh. to, like, He'll, most of the time, he'll just pot shot one punch at a time. And then and just out of the blue, he'll throw a five-punch combination. And you're like, where has that been at the whole fight? <laughs> and, 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 then you, and he just, for some reason, doesn't do it enough. And I don't know where he's going to go from there. But Adrian Broner, he's somebody who, he might just be one of those stories that goes along in history as don't be like this guy. Hopefully, he can turn it around. He's only 28. But at this point, he's already got three losses. And then boxing is different MMA. With boxing... You want to be one, two, zero losses. You know, once you get to three, four, or five range, unless you're already a legend, like Pacquiao has like six losses already, but Pacquiao's a legend, so it doesn't really right. affect him in that way. If you're still trying to build your resume, you got three, four losses. It's like, man, how are you losing already? And you're supposed to be <laughs> one of the top guys. So it's different from MMA because MMA you can lose so many different ways that people don't hold losses against you as much as in boxing. So with Adrian Broner, I hope he moves on. But Mike Garcia. Hopefully see him soon against Vasil Lomachenko, who I'll talk about later. But now oh, yeah. let's get into what the fuck was their view. Yeah, buddy. Where do you want to start, man? There's there's several ones. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I want to start with Steph and Kyrie. Looks like they're at a wedding or some formal party. And Steph was doing the LeBron dance, clowning LeBron, which, you know, it's funny. It's cool. But the thing that kind of caught people's attention, you see Kyrie right there just egging them all like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of I mean, weird because 
as a teammate, like, say we're somewhere and somebody's clowning TK. And I'm like, no, I, I wouldn't be cool with that because you're my guy. We do a podcast together. I'd be like, oh, that's right. not cool. But I'm not demanding a trade from the podcast either. So I don't know how, <laughs> like, how that would go. Like, how, I guess my question is, how do you feel if you're LeBron watching that? Yeah, I I would be like, what the, exactly, it's the whole segment, what the fuck is going on over there? And it's... One it's one thing when I when I first saw it, I was like, What's all the what's all the clamoring about, man? Why is everybody up in arms about this video? Like he's you know, he's at a wedding, probably had a few drinks, no big deal. Like he's just he's just messing. And then all yeah. of a sudden they pan pan over and I was like, Oh shit, there's Kyrie. <laughs> like what the <laughs> fuck are they doing? And and the fact that you know, they knew a video camera was on them. And here's here's the part that I, I really think it's going to be an issue. What if he doesn't get traded now? Yeah. I mean, you, you ask for a trade. You, you don't get it. You're out here doing stupid shit. And then you got to go back and try to play with the guy. I mean, you know, and maybe it's all fun and games. And, and maybe Kyrie called him afterwards and said, hey, dude, we we're just, you know, playing around. Somebody videotaped it. We we're, you know, we we're drinking, having a good time. Like, my bad. It, it could There could be a whole different situations here, but... I just think it. I think it looks bad. I don't know what the. I don't know what he was thinking, and it's one of those situations where you're like, "Choo! All right, well, let's let's just sit back and and see what happens." <laughs> yeah, no, I'm right there with you because you think about it. You know, people have fun at these type of things all the time, and it's gonna probably gonna be a LeBron challenge that starts where people start doing the videos like LeBron has been doing, dancing in a gym and whatnot. So it's gonna be a fun thing that LeBron is probably gonna laugh at later. But you bring up a very good point. What if Kyrie does not get traded? So not only just this this video is a minor thing, but all the things that have been said that the reason he wants to get out is to not be with LeBron anymore. He's tired of being LeBron's shadow. I've seen one article where. Uh, somebody from the undefeated wrote I apologize for forgetting who wrote it but somebody wrote that Kyrie was tired of being son to LeBron Ooh. which is which is a really yeah that's like really deep because there was one time when um, someone asked Kyrie or a reporter asked Kyrie horrible question horrible question they asked Kyrie how does it feel to have LeBron as a father figure and Ooh. LeBron's you know, he's only seven years older than Kyrie so He's not like you could say older brother, maybe, you know, maybe mentor, but yeah. somebody who's in my same generation. You don't say, How does it feel him for him to be my father figure? And like he's, especially with Kyrie, because Kyrie's really close with his dad. His dad was a single dad. I believe his mom died when he was young. Ooh. So, so yeah, his, he's, re- yeah, he's really close with his dad. So he's like, I have a it's father. Like a personal. Yeah. Like a personal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really close with my dad. That's my dad. Like, LeBron, we're cool, but maybe he could be, like, older brother-like, older brother-ish, but definitely nowhere close to my uh, father figure. So older I think, brother-ish. I like yeah. that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, he could be somewhere like that, but come on, man. That's not cool. So I think those type of questions got to him, the fact that LeBron got all the credit, and now we see him lashing out in this way where he's, you know, somewhere, like I said, they're having a good time. They've probably been drinking. I have no... 
no problem with Steph making fun of LeBron because LeBron has made fun of Steph, especially when they won a championship. They was out there breaking cookies, making yeah. 3-1 death cookies and whatnot. So yeah. they have a rivalry. It seems like it's friendly because Draymond and LeBron are cool. They work together in their little media company. Or not oh, little, yeah. I'm not saying it, just, but they work together in a media company. It's <laughs> yeah. pretty big now. <laughs> so they seem like they're all cool, and it seems like it's a friendly rivalry as far as them making fun of each other. So I'm not tripping on that part, but especially with Kyrie being there. Like, I imagine if J.R. Smith was there, maybe he wouldn't be a part of it. Maybe he would be like, oh, okay, let me go ahead and get out of this because yeah. <laughs> LeBron's my guy. Let me go ahead. But Kyrie was just right there. So yep. I feel like it's Thank even adding. Yeah, exactly. It's adding more to the, uh, the flame that's already there. So, like you said, though, if he doesn't get traded, because it's going to be hard for him to find a good deal for him. It is. If he doesn't get traded. I don't think it's going to happen, honestly. Yeah, like you said, it's going to be hard, man. I Like I said, they should take advice from me. Kyrie for Boogie, straight up. Let's do it. <laughs> Easy deal. And I think it works for both teams. But if they do it, views from the sideline should definitely get some credit. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put drop us out there. Dimes. Drop, drop <laughs> us some dimes. Drop us some dimes. Drop us some hundies. <laughs> exactly. But I don't I, think LeBron would take it personally. But I no. can see how he could be like, okay, Kyrie, we've already yeah. got this thing going. Maybe he was thinking about trying to hatch it up, and this is another, you know, just another wood added to the fire. Yeah. Light that shit and move on. Sounds <laughs> like, you know what I mean? All right, let's do, let's do another one. I, there's a couple different. What the fuck was their view? And Michael Jordan saying Kobe is better than LeBron James at this point. And what's your thoughts on that, man? I I, I kind of go I, I go back and forth. I mean, I can see I can see where Michael's coming from on a couple different aspects. I mean, if you want to look at rings and you want to look at probably mental toughness. I would say, yeah, Kobe probably has him in those two categories. Well, one because it's a it's a stat, and and it's obvious he has more he has more uh, trophies than than LeBron does. But you know the mental toughness aspect of it. I think I think Kobe edges him out there. But when it comes to athletic ability and getting your teammates involved, and you know all the other things, playing defense, and, and he can play defense on multiple different players. I mean, he can play defense in the post. He can post up. He can you know defend a a point guard. There's just so many different aspects of LeBron James's game that I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a discussion. I mean, if you want to talk about rings and mental toughness, yes. But if you want to talk about all-out basketball player and what they can do from minute one to minute 40, you, you have to say LeBron James is a better basketball player, in my opinion. But what's your thoughts on it? No, I definitely agree with everything you said. As I, I think, open another <laughs> <laughs> No, I definitely agree with everything you said. I think that... Michael Jordan's coming from an aspect that Kobe is the last link to Michael Jordan because Kobe was Michael Jordan-like, right? He oh. was everything that Michael spitting, was. Spitting yeah, fucking image. I yeah, mean, it's Kobe. Crazy when you look at some of those videos of like you got him back to back doing the same fucking moves, it's it's nuts. Yeah, exactly. So with Michael saying that Kobe's better, he's saying basically the guy who wanted to be like me is better than the guy you guys say is the best right now. Like, that's what I think it is. I think it goes deeper than just that. And with him, he said he thinks Kobe is better because five is better than three, which kind of messes up everybody's argument because now you can say, oh, well, Robert Ory is better than Michael Jordan. He got seven. 
<laughs> so you can't just go by just rings, you know, because Bill Russell got 11, but Bill Russell He's also played. Man. Yeah, he also played where he was taller than everybody by like five, six inches. So you have to, you have yeah, to put some things. Of the, some of the videos of Bill Russell playing basketball, you're like, what the fuck? It's like me playing with fourth graders. Exactly. It's crazy. You can't hold it against him. I believe he still would have been great. He would have adjusted to any era. Oh, hell yeah. But the fact that he played against guys when the average height in the league was probably 6'2", you have to think like, okay, he had an advantage. Him and Will Chamberlain was the only top competition he had was Will Chamberlain. And he did beat Will Chamberlain, but he had all the Hall of Famers on his team. And Will Chamberlain was just playing with just Will Chamberlain. So when you think about the fact that Bill Russell had 10 Hall of Famers or whatever it was on his team, along with you know maybe the greatest coach of all time, Red Arback, you have to say, okay, maybe Bill Russell's not the greatest. So you got to take out just the ring count. But Michael Jordan, you have the all-around game. You have the scoring, passing that's probably underrated for Michael now. His defense was just crazy. His defense was phenomenal. Guy was a defensive player of the year and an MVP in the same season. Ridiculous. So he's still a goat to me, of course. But when you think about LeBron versus Kobe, Kobe, you think of Kobe as a better scorer, but LeBron averages more points per game. Like, that's the crazy part. We think of Kobe as the better scorer, but LeBron gets more points, and he does it more efficiently. Like, LeBron shoots a better percentage than Kobe, and it's not close, right? And then you're like, okay, what about the other aspects of the game? Kobe was a very good defender. I think that part of his game gets underrated as we go forward. He was a very good defender in his prime, but he wasn't as versatile as LeBron. Like, LeBron could literally cover one through four, five, depending on how good the center is. With Kobe, he was sticking to two, the three, maybe the one if the one was somebody who was going off. Like, I've seen him, you know, take the challenge of taking on a Gilbert Arenas when Gilbert Arenas was in his prime going off. Or Russell Westbrook and people like that. So, he's taken that challenge on before of taking on a point guard. I've seen him shut down Kyrie one time. So, you have those times where Kobe was like, okay, I'm going to lock down this guy defensively. So, we have to remember Kobe was a great defender too. But, what's not close is rebounding passing making your teammates better lebron has eclipsed kobe in those categories by far so you have to give lebron the edge as a total basketball player and you can't go by just rings because you got to remember kobe had Shaq in his prime for those first three rings from 99 to 2004 Shaq was the best player in the league kobe might have been second but the fact that he had kobe or the fact that he had Shaq. You have to remember that and say, okay, I don't hold it against Kobe, but it's something that gives LeBron extra points. Like, I'll put it this way. There's no way Kobe could have took that 2007 Cavaliers team to the finals the way LeBron did. Absolutely no way. (laughs) So when you think about that way, could he do that? No. When We've seen Kobe with subpar teams. When when Kobe had the Smush Parkers of the world and the Chris Mems of the world, Kobe was scoring all the points in the world. He was scoring all the points in the world, but they were not going anywhere. LeBron would have scored those points along with making those guys better. You know, you had Smush Parker getting alley-oops and Chris Mims getting layups. That's the difference. So, I had to disagree with the GOAT, even though I have great respect for Jordan, the reason I picked up a basketball. But, MJ, I feel like you're wrong on this one. Yep, and evolution of the game, baby. That's why that's why LeBron is where he's at. Evolution of the game, man. Trying to trying to outdo Jordan and Kobe, basically. Hey, I'm, I'm not going to score as much as they are. I'm going to try to do other aspects of the game that make my team better. And that's exactly what he's what he does. And and agree with you 100. I think 
the goat is wrong, which is hard for me to say because I'm a huge <laughs> Jordan fan. But hey, do you watch baseball at all? Do you see this? What the fuck was their view, or what the fuck did they do <laughs> when the cub? Did you hear this this thing that's going on right now? With, I think the Cubbies, like in some weird backdoor office secretive thing, they gave Bartman a ring. Are, are you? So I'm not the biggest baseball all? fan, but I do remember. I do remember Steve Bartman. I, mean, I was watching. Remember, everybody does. Yeah. Everybody, even if you don't watch baseball, you know who Steve Bartman is. Exactly, exactly. So I definitely, and I was watching those playoffs. Like I, I do like playoff baseball. I'm not a big fan mm. of regular season yep. baseball, but yeah, I do like too. playoff baseball. And I remember watching those playoffs in 2003 and seeing him stick his hands out there. And I remember um, it was Moises Alou going crazy. because yes. he couldn't yes. catch because he could have caught that ball. And that yeah. memory sticks out to me. So, so go ahead and fill me in on the story of him getting a ring. Yeah, so I, I don't, you know, I don't know the I don't know the whole story, but there is a article out there saying that, you know, behind closed doors somewhere they they all got together and someone from the Cubs, like the GM or, or the president or somebody, gave Bartman, you know, a ring and said, oh, you know, all's cool or all's good. I don't know exactly what happened, but it was just kind of crazy to me to think that. You know, we haven't heard from the guy ever since then, and all of a sudden, you're just you're gonna give him a ring. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Just, you know, I mean, it's kind of interesting, and, and we don't know the whole story, but you know, I just thought it was something that that we should definitely bring up in this in this segment, and because that guy, he was he was put through the ringer, and yeah, maybe. You know, if you look at it a couple different ways, you know, maybe this is a way to kind of close the door and, and you know, maybe he can start going to games again and, and no one's going to, you know, pour beer on him. But, I mean, it was just, it was kind of crazy to to hear that, that you know, somebody that messed up one of the best playoff runs ever, you know, you turn around and, and forgive him and, and give him a ring. So I, I'm curious to see if it's actually true or not here in the next in the next few weeks but i mean kind of a crazy crazy story but all right man yeah let's I agree with you. You, yeah go ahead now i agree with you that it's crazy but i don't find it crazy that I gave him a ring i think that it's a symbol of them finally saying we're we've come full circle we got a ring and it's uh, time for people to leave him alone because yep. you think about it, this man had to really disappear like he really he couldn't I mean, <laughs> yeah he really had a fucking ghost yes and it was i felt bad for him because if you watch the video of when he reached for the ball he just happened to be the one to hit it because there's 10 other hands around (laughs) the ball so it could have been anyone else could have been steve bartman any of those 10 people sitting around him could have been steve bartman it just happened to be him the guy sitting there with the headphones on looking all goofy it could have been anybody else that could have been steve bartman so I felt bad for the guy. So I feel good they're giving him a ring. And I feel like they should bring him to a game and have people, like, give him applause or whatever and say, hey, the beef <laughs> is over. You can show your face. Because give him I felt, back. Yeah, I felt bad for the guy, man. Because I was like, come on. Especially I was young at the time, and I didn't get how – I didn't really get how bad it was for the Cubs and the Red Sox at the time. I was like, man, why, you know, why is it such a big story with these guys, you know, even yeah. though they've – because they haven't won these rings but i forget how long baseball's history is and these guys literally went hundreds of years 
or 100 years plus without getting a ring. So when you have a team like the 2003 Cubbies that were so close and so talented, that team was loaded. And the fact that that team didn't make it and that everybody remembers that play as the reason why, even though it, it truly wasn't the reason why. They had other plays they could have did. There was errors made during that same inning yeah, and stuff like all that. All sorts of stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, I think yeah. the, the shortstop at the time was like a three-time gold glove, and, and he booted one like right off his, right yeah. off his foot. I mean, I think they were up. Was it, weren't they up like you know three games to one in that series, and then they ended up coming back, and then that was like the the culminating. I mean, it was it's just such a huge like crazy story, and 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 like you mentioned, I mean, I definitely felt sorry for the guy. I think if Moises Alou wouldn't have made such a big deal about it when it happened, yeah, the whole thing the whole thing would have been squashed. But you know, just the fact that he was so <laughs> upset about it when it happened, I think it just blew up the whole situation. But. It was interesting, nonetheless. Yeah, definitely. But we can move on to what's next. We're going to do a little game view. Uh-oh. Now, for this game, both of us are playing. Usually it's me, you know, administrating the game and you going along and trying to get the answers. But today, both of us are playing the game. We both don't know what's going on. I like that idea. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to play a little Sports Jeopardy. Now, I downloaded this app on my android for sports jeopardy so sports jeopardy's out there listening you want these you know riveting and gracious commercials you can holler at us about being a sponsor yeah buddy. <laughs> so just be one moment here while i pull up the sports jeopardy and i played it earlier today and it has great questions you're talking you're listening to somebody who comes up with questions every week to try to challenge people on their sports knowledge so of course i love this you know being such a good game that it has great questions and maybe ones i use in the future so i can't wait for us to get into this game coming up right now and see yeah. what we do here so of course we know how jeopardy works you gotta choose a category so uh -oh. some of the categories we have are so it looks like the categories chosen for us is going to be ncaa football big game trophies so we have to know our trophy knowledge about NCAA football. Okay. All right. So let's get into the first question here. The Apple Cup goes to the winner of the big game between two teams from this western state. Is it Washington, Oregon, or Idaho? Oregon. Let's, Oregon. We're going to go with Oregon. Let's see what it goes. It oh. is Washington. Dang it. I didn't know that one either, so it's okay. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> the, I like this fact that we're we're doing this together because yes. you know I, I I'm the one that usually looks like a fool. So. <laughs> All right, for this next one, the Commonwealth Cup has a map of the Commonwealth etched on it, with stars in Charlottesville and Blacksburg. What state is this one? Pennsylvania, Kentucky, or Virginia? Jeez. You take a guess. <laughs> it's Virginia. I guess that no. went correctly. All right, for the next one, trophies in the Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, Wisconsin games are named for this legendary man. Paul Bunyan, John Henry, or Peckles Bill? Bunyan, baby. Paul Bunyan is correct. Yeah. All right. A so. Big Ten guy, man. A big Ten guy. Nebraska yeah. Huskers football, baby. I had to get that one right. <laughs> All right. A century old one of these made of oak goes to the winner of the Indiana-Purdue game. Uh, 
A jug, a bucket, or a barrel? It's a bucket, baby. There we go. Big Ten knowledge coming in handy. (laughs) (laughs) My my wife went to Purdue, so if I miss that one, I'm in the (laughs) doghouse. All right, the winner of the the Arizona, excuse me, New Mexico game once went home with a rifle believed to have belonged to the Frontiersmen. Is it Daniel Boone, Kit Garson, or Davy Crockett? Ooh, Ooh. I'm gonna go with Davy Crockett. I know it is Kit Carson. <laughs> Ooh, see, I would I would have went with the I would have went the other one. I didn't, I didn't. I don't even know who the hell that guy is. <laughs> no one, no one blast me for that. <laughs> uh, all oh the man, we out got there in, in in the northwest are gonna kill me. All uh, right, so we're going got some crazy questions here. The next subject is badminton. We're both not gonna know anything about this. Badminton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Right, uh, I was a PE teacher at one time. I know the rules of badminton, but if you're gonna yeah. talk about people, I'm fucked. <laughs> So let's see what the first badminton question is. A game of badminton. Some about a shuttlecock, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A game of badminton is usually won by the first person to get to this many points. Ten more than ping pong. Yes, 21. That is correct. Yes, yes. (laughs) The P background, baby. All right, next one. Four teams at the London Olympics were disqualified for doing this in their primary matches. Using illegal equipment, doping, or playing badly intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. Doping. Yeah, who, who dopes at badminton? <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the answer was playing badly intentionally. So I guess they were trying to avoid somebody else and they played badly intentionally. No shit. Right. That's crazy. Right. The next one is badminton is usually played indoors as even a slight breeze can affect this pre- projectile, also known as the birdie. So what's the real name for the birdie i already said it shuttlecock baby. Oh, yeah the shuttlecock <laughs> <laughs> that is correct all right so oh, that man, is that, that is it for the sports jeopardy today we definitely had a good time with that one learned something about some badminton we are versatile here we are versatile hell? on here on the views oh, from the sidelines yeah. <laughs> all right let's get into the next segment baby views of the weekend and I'm going to start it off because in my world, there ain't shit going on. <laughs> uh, there's a little bit of golf. Unfortunately, Steph Curry didn't make it to the weekend. I think he ended up getting cut in the uh, web.com tour tournament that he was in. But th- there is the Bridgestone Inv- Invitational, and it's a World Golf Championship event, which is kind of a big deal. And there is a lot of big names so if you're unfamiliar with golf you know you have your four majors but then outside of your four majors you have wgc events and this weekend is one of them and that's where you take you know some of the best golfers in the u.s and you match them with some of the best golfers on the european tour and you kind of put them together in this type of event and it's at uh, Firestone Country Club in Ohio and it's actually one of the very first designed golf courses 
of Jack Nicklaus, which is one of the, is the best golfer of all time. And and when he started designing courses, I think I don't think he actually designed it. He may may have went in there and kind of reorchestrated the course. My my golf knowledge on that is is pretty suspect. So you're gonna have to go out and and kind of check that out. But it's actually a really cool event. You know, Tiger Woods back in his prime, I think he won it like seven or eight times. And, and it's just a, an event that a lot of these guys, younger guys, want to go to and they want to play well in because Jack Nicholas is one of the guys that hosts the event. He's there. You know, if you win the event, you go off the 18th green, he shakes your hand. You know, the greatest golfer of all time shakes your hand when you're done. You know, that's one of the events that you want to win throughout the season. So it, it may not be a major it may not be the Players' Championship. You know, it may not be the FedEx Cup, which is the, the championship that they win at the end of the season. But outside of those, it's the next best thing. So so if you're interested in golf and you want to go check it out, you know, you know, check it out this weekend. Firestone Country Club, World Golf Championships, Bridgestone Invitational. I also heard there's a boxing match this weekend. Yes. Damien, tell us, tell us about that, baby. So one of the most talented fighters in the game today is fighting on tomorrow, Vasil Lamachenko. I feel like his name should be put to a beat because it's just very smooth. Vasil Lamachenko. (laughs) Vasil Lamachenko, right? So I feel like his name is very smooth. And he's also a very smooth fighter. His nickname is The Matrix. Like for you to have that nickname, The Matrix, you have to be very good at what you do. Whatever it is, if somebody calls you the Matrix, that means that you're a beast. And Vasil Lomachenko <laughs> is somebody who it's hard to compare him to any other fighters because he fights in such a different style. But he fights from so many different angles. He next thing he's punching right in front of you. Next thing you know, he's on the side of you. He's on the left side, the right side, literally behind you, waiting for you to turn around and catch up with him. <laughs> he's an absolute beast, man. And he's going uh, this uh, on tomorrow. He's fighting against a very tough fighter in his weight class, Miguel Moraga, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And Miguel's very tough. Somebody who's been in a lot of battles. Somebody who can punch as well. Now, I don't uh, expect expect him excuse me, to stay with Vassel Lamachenko because he doesn't have the speed. This is kind of a showcase for um, Lamachenko. And this fight's going to be on ESPN. So, TK, I want you to do some homework for views from the other side for next week. I want, to, I want you to watch this matchup. It's on ESPN. Okay. So, it's going to be, I believe, at um, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Okay. Watch this guy Vasil Lamachenko. I want just I want to know you know what you think when you watch him, because he's an absolute beast, man. Like I said, the Matrix, and this Ooh, is dude. a showcase fight for him. And for the, after this fight, he should win easily, right? And not too easily to where it's, it's boring, but easily enough to where you know how dominant he is. Uh, and after this fight, he should have a matchup against Mikey Garcia, who I talked about earlier. Mike Garcia, oh, yeah. okay, you know, yeah. beat up Adrian Broner. So this could set up for an easy matchup in the future, which may be pay-per-view because these two guys are names that are building up down the line. So I want you to watch this TK views from the other side. We can do that next week. I want to hear you talk about it. Still, Amachinko is the truth, man. Anybody out there who's looking to get into boxing, you're looking for your guy. Like, everybody has their guy in sports. You're looking for your guy to follow. Vasil Lamachico is somebody who you should follow. He's an absolute beast. Speed, power, showboats a little bit, entertaining. Uh, 
He's the yeah. ultimate. He's the package, man. So definitely views from the sidelines. And what's the name of the golfing event again? Okay, so that and and you bring up a good point. And you know, views from the other side. We can talk about it next weekend. It's it's uh, the Firestone Country Club. It's called the Bridgestone Invitational. And I I looked up who the leaders are going into the weekend. And Jimmy Walker, who is kind of a veteran uh, in the golf world, he, he's a really good golfer. But then there's a young guy that's in second place. His name is Thomas Peters. I think he's maybe in his early 20s. And this kid can flat out play golf. And, you know, he's from overseas and, you know, being from the U.S., I like to root for my U.S. guys first. But. This guy can flat out bomb the golf ball. I mean, he hits it well over 300 yards. His his short game is on point. So this weekend, when you watch this, when you watch this event, Damien, we'll we'll talk about Thomas Peters, and then it looks like Rory McIlroy. Rory McIlroy looks like he's in the hunt too. So so it should be should be an interesting weekend for for some golf. So it'll be kind of cool to talk about it next week. Definitely, I'll try to watch that. Like I said, you try to watch Lomachenko in the boxing world. It'll be at night, so the golfing will be off. You'll be able to go ahead and yeah. watch him. And like <laughs> I said, I think you will enjoy him, man, because he's okay, an absolute cool. beast. Cool. So now let's get into our lasting views. What did you want to talk about for your lasting view today? Well, you know, I, I guess I'm going to stick to the golf. <laughs> 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 and, and and literally, when I talk about this, I'm 100% serious. I think... When it comes to the game of golf and growing the sport, right now is the time for people to watch the game of golf. And the main reason why I say that is because you can relate to any type of golfer that's out there right now. If you've ever played the sport, even if you haven't played the sport, there's, there's people that you can relate to. You know, if you've played the sport and you're really good at your short game, you can relate to lefty, Phil Mickelson. If you're good at putting, you can relate to Jordan Spieth. If you drive the ball really well, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day are some guys that you're going to want to watch. If you're good at irons, you know, your iron play, then, you know, you're going to watch Justin Rose or Henrik Stenson. If you're looking at consistency, Matt Kuchar, Paul Casey, Charlie Hoffman. Then if you want to look at stuff outside of the actual game of golf and you look at you know, guys that are flamboyant, that make the game fun, that kind of trash talk a little bit when they're out there and, and you know pump their fist and, and just have a good time. You look at Patrick Reed, Ian Poulter. You know, and then other guys that maybe may be young and kind of flashy and kind of bring a little bit of an extra kick or flair to the game. You got Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Jason Day is another one of those guys that's kind of moved into that category where he wears some high top kicks and, and different things like that. But then someone like myself that's kind of maybe a little bit of the older generation, you know, I just turned 40 last week, which I'm not going to talk about too much because I'm going to cry about it. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. Because uh, I played basketball yesterday and I'm, I'm a little sore. But anywho, with the older guys, if, if you look and, and, you know, you've watched the game for a, for a little bit of time and you relate to those older guys, you you know, you got Schwartzel, you got Ernie Els, you got Adam Scott, Phil Mickelson, another guy that I talked about earlier 
earlier. But there's so many things to the game of golf that you can just relate to and understand. I mean, you watch Jordan Spieth win the Open Championship a couple weeks ago, and, you know, he went from five bogeys. Just think about this. He He went into the 13th hole with four bogeys. Five bogeys. Five bogeys going into the 13th hole. I think he ended up saving par on the 13th hole. And everybody thought, oh my word, this guy's out of it. Anybody in their right mind would have folded up shop and said, forget it. Forget it. I'm done. Myself included. You know, my mental game when it comes to golf is, it's a lot better now that I'm older. I can I can kind of understand, you know, how they can go from one shot to the next. I get it as I, as I get older. But for this kid to be 24, 25 years old, whatever he is, and to be able to say, you know what? Yeah, I've had five bogeys. I went from leading the leading the tournament to now I'm down by one. And then go birdie, eagle, birdie, birdie, and then just shut the thing out. I mean, it's the true testament of perseverance. Of, you know what? I'm down and out, but you know what? I can I can take myself to the next level anytime I can if I'm mentally tough. And that's the great thing about golf. You learn a lot of life lessons when you play the game of golf. You learn a lot of life lessons when you watch the game of golf. You know, somebody said something about the Open Championship, and, and they said, oh, does it suck to watch these guys play in terrible conditions? Do you feel sorry for them? And my, my response is no. I don't feel sorry for them. I actually like watching that because I can learn something from watching them play golf on TV. I can learn how to persevere. I can learn how to overcome all the adversity that's in my life and figure out a way to become a better person. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of cheesy, but you get where I'm coming from. If, if you watch the game of golf, there's all sorts of things that you can learn when you're out there by yourself trying to hit that little motherfucking ball into a little motherfucking hole. Yeah. <laughs> Damien, what's your lasting view, brother? Oh, man, I definitely appreciate what you're saying about golf. Because I'm, like I said, moving to Phoenix, Arizona in about a week. <laughs> and golf is big out there. I'm going to be out from there. From San Diego. From San yeah. Diego. So you're moving from, like, the second best place to play golf to, like, the first best place. Or vice versa, however you want to look at it. <laughs> yeah, it's a sh- I didn't really take advantage out here in San Diego, but I will in Phoenix. And yeah. I have a lot of friends out there, and they're already talking about how, you know, we're going to go play basketball with you, but you got to come play golf with us. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, so. funny, the, the, crazy thing about, um, the crazy thing about San Diego compared to Phoenix is that San Diego, the cost of golf is absolutely ridiculous and out of control, and it's, it's dumb. But Phoenix, there's so many golf courses in a small area that – you'll be able to find deals. So it won't be it won't be like 50, 60, 70, 100 dollars around. You can find deals where you'll go out and pay, you know, 20, 30 dollars to play 18 holes with a cart. Oh wow. 
Yeah, so yeah. it's it's a it's a huge difference. I mean, there different times of year are going to cost different. I mean, if you go in the winter, you're probably not going to find a deal like that. But when you get into like the spring, right before summer, when it gets hot, or you know the summer into spring, where you know you're maybe in the you know 90s or something like that, you can find really good deals. Get out, get in a cart, and, and be comfortable, and still play for twenty thirty dollars around. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's cool, man. Yeah, and no, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And all those lessons that you learn playing golf, I will learn. I will be texting you, telling me about my fresh, my frustrations on the golf course. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure you'll get plenty of laughs out of me playing golf. Uh-huh. We'll do a <laughs> we'll do a live session of views from the sideline watching you play golf. No, I'm just definitely. <laughs> hey, we could do that. Like I'm, not, I have no problem with people laughing at my and my shortcomings playing golf. We definitely could do that. That'll be fun. Now. There's another big sport out there that's coming soon. It's coming pretty fast on us, and that's the NFL. Like oh, it seems wait. like, yeah, it seems like this year the wait hasn't been as long because the NBA's storylines have continued to go. Like usually with the NBA, after the finals, you get your, your free agency, then draft, and it'll die down, and then you have that dead period where it's just baseball and just golf, but. This year, the NBA's been having so many different storylines because people want to get traded and who's going to get signed where and different stuff going on. NFL's kind of snug up on us. And it's like, oh, man, preseason is here. Like, it's already started. And the NFL is the biggest moneymaker by far of all sports. And because it makes so much money, I still wonder why NFL player contracts aren't guaranteed. And we always see the big numbers. We'll see a quarterback sign for six years, 100 million, 70 million, or like 50 million guaranteed, right? And you're like, okay, that player is good. Like, why would we even care if they get the full 100 guaranteed? My argument isn't for the players who get 50 million guaranteed with another 50 million if they fill out their contract. My argument for getting NFL players guaranteed contracts is for the special teams guys. That third linebacker on the roster who's only making $500,000 but can get cut tomorrow and it all could be gone. Those guys deserve contracts. Those guys can get hurt on any play. Like special teams, we've seen so many times where a special teams guy literally can get paralyzed on the play. Now, if they've minimized that a little bit by making you know the kickoff further up and you see more touchbacks now, and they've gotten rid of the wedge. So they've done things to make it safer for those guys, but it's still very dangerous out there on special teams. So those guys deserve guaranteed contracts and not to be out there by themselves. Also, for defensive players, they don't make as much as offensive players. They should get guaranteed contracts as well. And it's for insurance. Like a perfect example is Chris Bosh in the NBA. Chris Bosh, a great NBA player, Hall of Famer, Unfortunately, his career had to end early because he had blood clots. But because he had a contract that was guaranteed, he's good. Him and his millions of kids that he has are safe (laughs) (laughs) because he signed a contract. And that contract is going to be honored by the NBA and the insurance of the NBA. So the way it works, Miami won't have to pay that contract. The insurance of the NBA will pay his contract off, but he still gets paid. It's guaranteed. And the NFL should have that same insurance that same safety net because nfl players can end their career can end at any moment literally any moment right like um for example johnny knox who played for the chicago bears a lot of people may have forgotten about him he was a wide receiver who played for them for a while and he had a back injury in i want to say 2011 and we've forgotten about him we've already forgotten about him he's 
past news. But he had a spinal injury. He was a pretty good receiver. Looked like he was going to have a good career. But quick quick moment, just, just like that, his career was over. Now, he can walk now and stuff like that, and he's living a normal life. But he doesn't have that security of, I played this many years so I get a pension. Or my contract was guaranteed so I get this. NFL is rootless, man. So all he got was that money for that year. None of the money that was set to him for the rest of the years. And now he had to go get a regular job like everybody else and then, you know, make do. Hopefully he saved the money he did make. But he was very young in his career. So he might not have saved that money. But if he was an NBA player and he got a career in an injury and had a big contract, he would have been good. Because that contract is guaranteed. If you get a injury on the court or something that's, you know, nothing of your fault. Like Chris Bosh, for a perfect example, again. It's not his fault he got blood clots, so his contract's guaranteed. I think NFL players should have that same, should be taken care of the same way. And the fact that their sport makes money that's miles ahead of every other sport, <laughs> and they, they play way less games, shows you how valuable they are. And Richard Sherman brought up some great points a few weeks ago. He did an interview with um, Josina Anderson on ESPN where he talked about how NFL players should strike. Like, nobody wants to see the replacements out there. We don't want to see Flacco or Keanu Reeves out there trying to throw the ball. <laughs> we really don't. <laughs> like, it's funny in the movie. It's funny to see in the movie. And you might have some great kickers come out of it. But that's about it. The rest of those guys who didn't make the NFL and are replacement players didn't make the NFL for a reason. So the only ones out there who could probably make the NFL as replacement players are kickers. You might, you might have a kicker or two get signed because, okay, we missed out on this kicker and we see that he actually could kick in the NFL. But the rest of those guys aren't going to get signed. You don't want to see those guys. You don't want to see me out there throwing the ball. Like, I was a former high school quarterback. You don't want to see me out there <laughs> <laughs> trying to run the option for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You don't want to see that. You want to see the real NFL players playing, okay? And NFL players strike. And they make us, like, the replacement refs are bad enough. Imagine replacement yeah. players. <laughs> okay? That's actually where I was going. I was just thinking, man, those refs were shitty. I yes. can't imagine what the actual players would be like. Yeah, I could imagine you still, because the Seattle Seahawks game, against that was against Green Bay when they had the Hail Mary, right? With the All right, move refs. on. Move on. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Next statement. <laughs> yes, but I, I imagine that's why you still remember those replacement refs yes. because of that game. Yes, yes. So, Replacement players would be much worse than that. <laughs> so the that's what I'm saying. If they, Mary. Yes. <laughs> if, if they strike, that would definitely show their worth. And they would maybe able to get guaranteed contracts or at least more guaranteed contract. In the, maybe 80% is guaranteed or maybe 90% of the contract is guaranteed. And there's I mean, not I, so many outs. Yeah, and I agree with you 100%, especially with all the, all the new CTE arguments and, and you know, What's the right word I'm I'm looking for here? The research that that's been done with CTE. I mean, you got to give these guys some something. I mean, all the money that they're making. You, you know, granted, I mean, you can argue back and forth, and I and you know, one thing that that came up, I think, last time we talked about this was, you know, if you look at the amount of players that are on a basketball team compared to a football team, you know, maybe that's where they're kind of thinking that, you know, they're trying to be as cost effective as they can. Let's just look at it from a business standpoint. But at the same time, like you said, the the NFL is making money hand and 
fist over anybody else. So for the fact that these guys shouldn't be, I mean, they should be getting some sort of pension, some sort of guaranteed money. I mean, something just in, especially with all the new relevant, you know, research and, and things that have come about with CTE. I think it's definitely something that needs to be brought to the forefront and, and we need to talk a lot more seriously about yeah, definitely. And because of all that research, you're going to have people not letting their kids play sports for going forward, especially without guaranteed contracts. So like for me, I don't have any kids yet, but both me and my girlfriend are pretty athletic. My girl played college basketball. So our kid has oh. a, may be pretty athletic, right? And <laughs> if our kid is like, I want to play football, I'm going to be hesitant. Yeah. Yeah. To let our kid play football, I'm like, man, you, you're gonna be six something. Like, you're gonna be, you're gonna have a chance to be tall. Why not play basketball? Yeah. Why not play baseball? Well, baseball has these huge guaranteed contracts. Yeah. Why not play that? Because my, you know, yeah. my dad was a baseball player, so maybe you'll get that gene. They'll skip, you know, they skipped over me. Maybe you'll get that. So why would I let them play football, especially when I know if, say, he plays like I was a good. I was a quarterback, but I was my best position at football was cornerback. So if he plays, if he gets my genes, wants to be a cornerback, I'm like, why would I let you play cornerback? Take those hits, and maybe get CTE when your career could be over, and there's no guaranteed contract. Maybe you only last three years, and you don't get the pension. Yep. No, I'm like that's. I mean, that's the yeah. that's the ongoing conversation. I mean, what's the life expectancy of of somebody that actually gets into the NFL? I mean, I I, yeah. I think it's within. It's in two or three years. I don't think I don't think you're there for for very long. And and you know I can relate to you with the whole with all the kid perspective. I have two girls under the age of six, and everybody always asks me, "Do you do you want to have a boy?" And I'm like, "Nah, you know, I'll, I don't know. No, not really. Because you know, what if <laughs> what if they grow up and they say they want to play football? I I might be one of those guys that says." Ah, uh, you know, maybe not. I mean, just with with everything that's going on, it's it's one of those things where, you know, it's kind of it's a tough decision. I know, I know, I know where my wife stands on that. You know, being in the the medical device world and and you know having a PhD in biomedical engineering. I mean, she she knows a lot about this topic, and and she was really blown away by you know a lot of things that that she's read and and looked at, and and it's a it's definitely something that needs to be looked at with a fine microscope, you know, no pun intended, but I mean, it's definitely a serious topic and it definitely needs to be looked at on a regular basis moving forward. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that, man, but that's my last in view. Uh, you got anything else on your mind, TK? I, I don't. I don't. Let's get this thing. Let's let's end it. And first off, I want to say a lot of you know Damian Adams. He has a show called The Real Deal with Damian Adams. And it, it always comes out on Tuesdays on Spreaker Radio. So make sure you go check it out. It's live on, on Tuesdays. If you don't have a chance to do it on, on Tuesdays and listen in, you can always listen to it on iTunes. Uh, I think there's a couple other places out there that you can listen to it. If, if wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you go check it out. The Real Deal with Damian Adams. Real sports talk for the real sports fan, baby. I definitely appreciate that. I'm a big fan of your show, I Need a Mulligan. Uh, I listen every week. I believe your show comes out on Tuesdays as well on iTunes. 
and you just you bring a different perspective to sports very funny like i said i enjoy the story especially the personal stories that you tell i'll never forget the story about the pepper spray on the toilet that was hilarious <laughs> but if people if you like to listen to real sports talk in a funny way i need a mulligan is definitely the perfect show for you to listen to like i said it's available everywhere essentially everywhere that you can listen to a podcast i need a mulligan is there i listen to it on itunes personally so if you have an iphone or an ipod go to your podcast app go ahead subscribe and leave a review for him leave a five-star review letting us know how you feel about i need a mulligan and tell us all the positive things that you want to if it's negative keep it to yourself but if it's positive let's know how you really feel <laughs> all right <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, for views from the sidelines Hopefully you enjoyed the show today. Please go ahead and like the Facebook page, Views from the Sidelines. We appreciate those likes. You'll be the first ones to see the new episodes. Go ahead and view us on Twitter as well at Views, W, capital D, and TK. So Views with D and TK or search Views from the Sideline because we couldn't get Views from the Sidelines on Twitter. You got to have that real big money to get all those letters <laughs> and we couldn't get <laughs> that extra S. So you can on Twitter, Views, W, Capital D and TK. So views with Damien and TK on Twitter, on Facebook views from the sideline. We'll, this podcast will be available everywhere pretty soon. We'll tag you in it. If you are a fan already, we'll tag you in it and we'll make sure that you get this episode to you and it's available to you as well. So please go ahead and check us out. Anything else you want to say, TK? Yeah, man. Hey, hey thanks for listening. And that's one thing that you know, for us being, you know, Damien being in uh, San Diego, soon to be Phoenix, and, and me being in Omaha, we've been working back and forth on a, on a couple different ways to, to get this show out to you. So uh, we're trying something new here. We're going to get it on cast, and then we should have it out on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play sometime soon so those are going to probably be the main three places that you're really going to want to uh watch for the show and and subscribe and write a review so hey people thanks for listening views from the sidelines episode definitely. three yeah <laughs> definitely i hope you enjoyed the view right. and please join us next time all right